Well, we are, um, we are today continuing uh, just a little three-week sermon series called Jesus in the Office. And I have, I have a little introduction and then we'll read the scripture. But before we uh, dive into that, let's pray together, shall we? God, as we offer ourselves to you again, uh, we pray that in your goodness you would pour out your spirit on us to help us know you more deeply, uh, to help our, our faith in you become more fully formed, to, to grow in the depth and, and direction that you would have us grow, to internalize more fully that our citizenship is in heaven with you because of your action on our behalf. So Lord, come and, and help us as we open your word. We ask it in Jesus' name, amen. Well, this, um, this series called Jesus in the Office, as you can see on the screen, uh, it's, it's not about you know, taking your faith to work or, or how to be a Christian in the office. It, it, as important as all that is, that, that's a very important topic. This, this is a series about grasping the love of Jesus more fully by understanding more deeply what Jesus has done for us. Jesus in the office refers to, to Jesus being the Christ, the Messiah. And in the Old Testament, there were three roles, three offices to which people were anointed. Uh, the office of prophet, priest, and king. And as, as Christ, the anointed one, Jesus fulfills perfectly all three of those roles on our behalf. And theologians call this the threefold office of Christ. All three of those roles were all satisfied perfectly in Jesus and in, in what he did for us. Now again, this sounds kind of heady and you're thinking, man, the last thing I want is like a, like a classroom experience here. I just need to know God loves me and I want to be encouraged in my faith, so how does this help me in that? Well, look at what Paul prayed for the Ephesians. He prayed this. He, he prayed that they might have power together with all the Lord's holy people to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ. And th- this understanding of Jesus as, as prophet, priest, and king helps us grasp the love of Jesus for us. I mean, this simple chart was really helpful to me. I shared it last week, but it it shows the kind of mediation uh, uh, role, the mediator role that Jesus plays in all three of these offices. As as prophet, uh, he speaks to people on behalf of God. As priest, he speaks to God on behalf of people. And as king, he leads people on behalf of God. I mean, the, the arrows are important. Remember, and, and each of these roles uh, involves Jesus addressing us in an area of deep need. As we kind of uh, uh, reviewed last week, I, I won't do the whole thing again, but in essence, our sin has left us with three big spiritual problems. Ignorance, guilt, and corruption. And you can see how each of these roles satisfies one of those specific needs. Jesus, the perfect prophet, 
helps us in our spiritual ignorance, communicating God's word to us and becoming God's word for us. You know, everything that God wanted us to know, he came to tell us in person in Jesus. And Jesus, the great high priest, helps us in our guilt, not just intervening for us when we need it, but having made a once-for-all intervention to, to be done with that for all time. And Jesus, the King of Kings, helps us in our corruption by his spirit guiding us uh, in helping God's kingdom come and will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Now, last week we looked at the prophet role, so this week we're looking at, at the priest uh, role of Jesus. And we're gonna read some passages from the book of Hebrews. So let's hear those now. Our first reading begins with the fourth chapter of Hebrews, verse 14. Hear the word of the Lord. Therefore, since we have a great high priest who has ascended into heaven, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold firmly to the faith we profess. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to empathize with their weaknesses, but we have one who has been tempted in every way, just as we are, yet he did not sin. Let us then approach God's throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. And from the chapter 9, beginning at verse 11. But when Christ came as high priest of the good things that are now already here, he went through the greater and more perfect tabernacle that is not made with human hands. That is to say, is not a part of this creation. He did not enter by means of the blood of goats and calves, but he entered the most holy place once for all, but by his own blood, thus obtaining eternal redemption. The blood of goats and bulls and the ashes of heifer sprinkled on those who are ceremonially unclean sanctify them so that they are outwardly clean. How much more then will the blood of Christ, who through the eternal spirit offered himself unblemished to God, cleanse our consciousness from the acts that lead to death? so that we may serve the living God. For this reason is the mediator of a new covenant, that those who are called may receive the promised eternal inheritance, now that he has died as a ransom, to set them free from the sins committed under the first covenant. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Thanks, David. I don't know how many of you are tracking with the, the plan that we had as a congregation to read through the Bible in a year. I know it's a lot to bite off. I, I think some of us are still doing that. Uh, it's, we were using the one-year Bible. So uh, Crystal and I chose to do the electronic version on our phones, and this is, this is kind of our connecting time uh, not every evening, we, we tend to miss here or there, but then we get together and catch up and we read the whole thing out loud. That has been an interesting experience. I thought I knew how to pronounce Old Testament names. <laughs> when you sit down and actually try to read them all out loud, that's a completely different story. Um, but it struck me because 
well, uh, you know, last week uh, we were reading through Hebrews, you know, uh, probably the last 10 days. And uh, it, it just struck me how well uh, Hebrews fits with this kind of ser- series on prophet, priest, and king. Probably like no other book, the book of Hebrews links and explains those roles and, and kind of how Jesus satisfied them on our, on our behalf. Um, Look at this. The book of Hebrews starts with the prophet piece. In the past, God spoke to our ancestors through the prophets at many times and in various ways. But in these last days, he has spoken to us by his son, whom he appointed heir of all things and and through whom also he made the universe. The son is the radiance of God's glory and the exact representation of his being, sustaining all things by his powerful word. You know, in the past, God spoke by prophets, but now God has spoken by his son. You know, the the great promised prophet. So prophets represent God to human beings. The flow is from God to us. Hebrews also addresses that promise uh, made in Deuteronomy about there being another great prophet kind of in the line of Moses. The Lord your God will raise up for you a prophet like me from among you, Moses said. And here's what Hebrews says in chapter three. Therefore, holy brothers and sisters who share in the heavenly calling, fix your thoughts on Jesus whom we acknowledge as our apostle and high priest. He was faithful to the one who appointed him, just as Moses was faithful in all God's house. Jesus has been found worthy of greater honor than Moses, just as the builder of a house has greater honor than the house itself. So if you, if you read Hebrews with this prophet, priest, and king lens, you will probably see connections you might not have seen before, and I encourage you to do that. And the, the, the a message of Hebrews turns toward Jesus' priestly role uh, in chapter four with the text we read today. Priests represent human beings to God. The flow is upward, right? In that sense, it's the exact opposite of the role of prophet because the flow is kind of downward, right? Look at this from Hebrews five. Every high priest is selected from among the people and is appointed to represent them in matters related to God, to offer gifts and sacrifices for sins. And in fact, this is what the whole priesthood in the Old Testament was established to do. You can read about that in Exodus 28. God set aside Aaron and his sons to be priests, to be go-betweens, mediators between people and God. Um, and, and, and in that system, uh, the high priest had a particular duty on the day of atonement, the high priest would have to go into the most holy place, the place of God's very presence, to offer a sacrifice for his own sin and then for the sin of the whole community. That's why it was called the day of atonement. And it was such a tenuous thing. It, it was such a dramatic thing to conceive of a human being going into that most holy place to the very presence of God. They would tie a rope around the high priest's ankle just in case he were to drop dead in the presence of God in the most holy place, they could drag him out. This is how seriously this was taken. No no one entered the Lord's presence except for one person on that one day and for the purpose of making atonement for the people. Here's what Leviticus says. He shall then slaughter the goat for the sin offering for the people and take its blood behind the curtain and do with it as he did with the bull's blood. 
he shall sprinkle it on the atonement cover and in front of it. In this way, he will make atonement for the most holy place because of the uncleanness and rebellion of the Israelites, whatever their sins have been. Atonement. The priest, the high priest, was the only one to appear in God's presence on behalf of the people, to advocate for the people. Now Jesus does that for us. He advocates for us. By the Spirit, he continues to be our advocate, right? But that's not all that Jesus did. See, the high priest was also the one who offered the sacrifice for the sin of the people that was needed to make atonement. And, And that last part is where Jesus was much more than a regular high priest because he didn't just offer the sacrifice for our atonement. He offered himself as the sacrifice for our atonement. He was both priest and sacrifice on the once for all day of atonement. Good Friday. Look at this passage from Hebrews 7. Unlike the other high priests, he does not need to offer sacrifices day after day, first for his own sins and then for the sins of the people. He sacrificed for their sins once for all when he offered himself. I mean, this is the heart of Christianity. And this is what makes this literally good news. This is the once for all intervention of God on behalf of people. God in Jesus becoming the sacrifice for our sin in order to satisfy God's justice. And this is what makes the new covenant new. Remember in in the old covenant, uh, God promised to keep his end of the deal and remember Moses sprinkling the people with the blood of the covenant commissioning them to keep their end of the covenant and saying, you know, may it be to you like the animal who shed this blood if you don't keep your end of the covenant. But in in Jesus, God sneaks around to our side to keep our end of the covenant for us. So what makes the new covenant new is that God keeps both ends of the deal. It's an amazing thing. God has has fully satisfied everything needed for every human being everywhere to return to him. That makes this good news. And it's, and it's in this way that Jesus made atonement for our sins. Atonement. If you break it up, you get at-one-ment. This is, this is a reuniting. This is bringing together a relationship that had been severed and, and making, it, making it united and, and, and one again. One of the images used to explain atonement from a biblical perspective is the legal image. In Jesus, we don't just have one who advocates for us in our guilt, kind of like having the best attorney in the world if you've done something wrong. I mean, it would be a comfort to have the best attorney in the world, but you would still know that you did something wrong. You were guilty. The image here is that the advocate, the attorney, is also the judge. Our case is presented and the judge very rightly rightly finds us guilty, issues the sentence, but then the judge comes down from behind the bench and offers himself on our behalf to accept the sentence for our wrongdoing upon himself. Now this is just one of the images used to kind of explain what what God has done for us in Christ. But but it, it gets to that idea of Jesus being our substitute. 
right? And, and this gets to where this applies in our daily life. Like, like, what does this mean for me right now and tomorrow and the next day? Look at what we read in Hebrews 9. But when Christ came as high priest of the good things that are now already here, he did not enter by means of the blood of goats and calves, but he entered the most holy place once for all by his own blood, thus obtaining eternal redemption. For this reason, Christ is the mediator of a new covenant, a new arrangement, that those who are called may receive the promised eternal inheritance, now that he has died as a ransom to set them free from the sins committed under the first covenant. He came as the high priest of the good things that are now already here. The good things that are now already here. A relationship with God in which we can actually live where we don't just know about God but where we can know God and have an active actual, vibrant relationship with God in tremendous freedom because we know we're we're recipients of tremendous grace, right? The good things that have now already come. And Christ, the mediator of a new covenant, it's, it's this new arrangement where Jesus keeps both ends of the deal. And then look at this in Hebrews 10. For by one sacrifice, he, Jesus, has made perfect forever those who are being made holy. Now for you fifth church regulars, think back to the verb tenses of salvation. You know, the Bible can say you have been saved, you are being saved, you will be saved. Look at this verse through that lens. For by one sacrifice he has made perfect forever, past tense, those who are being made holy present tense. Now, do you take as much comfort in that as I do? He has made perfect forever all of us who are still very much much works in, in progress, who are being made holy. You know, all of the implications here that, that we're adopted children of God, that we're Beloved children, we can know that. That's our primary identity. We're able to approach the throne of grace with confidence because of that. We read that in Hebrews 4 earlier in the service. All of this just goes to clarify God's goodness that in, in, in the, the place of our guilt, you know, sin brought these three big problems, ignorance and guilt and corruption. We don't just feel guilty. We are guilty There's a huge difference. Guilt is not just a psychological experience. We are guilty. And without someone somewhere doing something about that in God's eyes, we've got a big problem. But Jesus did that for us. And the freedom of that, this is what Paul writes about in Galatians. It's for freedom that Christ has set us free. Stand firm then and do not let yourselves be burdened again by a yoke of slavery because God's desire is for us to live in that freedom. So what do we do with this? Right, no matter where you are right now, no matter what you're feeling, turn to Christ again. Face the Lord. Don't hide. We have this perpetual Adam and Eve instinct in us that whenever God shows up, we want to jump in the bushes. That's not who you are anymore. The Lord has set you free. 
you may approach the throne of grace with confidence because your guilt is gone. Not because you fixed it, but because Jesus fixed it for us. Now, the legal declaration of righteousness. The entire book of Romans is about this, right? That, that faith is credited to people as righteousness. Thus, by his sacrifice, he has made perfect forever those of us who are still growing in Christ. That, friends, is really, really good news. So we turn to Christ. Look look at Hebrews 7. Now there have been many of those priests since death prevented them from continuing in office, but because Jesus lives forever, he has a permanent priesthood. Therefore, he is able to save completely those who come to God through him because he always lives to intercede for them. This is the Bible. This is a description of the world as it is right now. The Lord Jesus, alive, able to save completely. You know, if, you're, if in, your, in your mind you're kind of thinking you're too dirty for God or you've got to get a few things kind of lined up before you turn back or maybe you're considering the Christian faith for the first time and you're thinking, well, I'm not good enough yet. I need to kind of come around. Once I turn this corner down here, then maybe. Uh, If you're thinking that way, you're thinking incorrectly, at least from a biblical perspective. And you need to repent because the word repent literally means change your thinking. And the change of thinking needs to be toward this idea that Jesus can save completely. We don't offer the first 25% and let Jesus take it from there. We don't offer the first 10% and let Jesus take it from there. From a biblical perspective, we have nothing to offer. And that's kind of the first realization is to come with your hands, just here I am, Lord. I need help. It's in that brokenness that God comes rushing in Right? It's in that brokenness of the, the prodigal son who had been wandering simply turning back toward home. And when the father sees him, he sprints to him. That's our God. So you've got to tell yourself that gospel every day. Keep telling yourself that gospel. If you trust Christ If you're in Christ, you have been made perfect forever. Not just for the day, not just for the moment you feel that way, not until next Sunday, forever. Even though you are still being made holy. God's still working on all of us, right? The righteousness of Christ deposited into our account, not just a wiping out of our debt, but bringing the account balance up to the perfect righteousness of Jesus. Turn to Christ and tell yourself the gospel every day. Jesus, the prophet, saves us from our spiritual ignorance. Jesus, the priest, saves us from our real guilt. Thanks be to God. This is the truth. 
In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Pray with me, please. God, thank you for your goodness. Thank you, Lord Jesus, that you're alive right now. Thank you that we live in a world where a resurrection has happened and nothing will ever change that. Thank you that your goodness and love are, are pinned to the timeline of history by the cross of Christ. Thank you, God, that it's your desire that all people everywhere would come to a knowledge of the truth and, and be saved. Step back in to a real relationship with you based on what you have done for us. Father, wherever our struggle is in our faith, be with us there. Help us. Uh, help us in our questions, in our, in our challenges. Meet us there. Make yourself known to us and, and help us. Lead us toward you. Jesus, we thank you that at our place of greatest need, you met us in person in Christ. We bless you, Lord Jesus, and we pray in your name. Amen.